What's up, everybody? This is going to be episode 37 of An Untold Narrative, where we feature unknown creatives, artists, uh, photographers, videographers, creatives of any sort, shape, or fashion uh, on the show who maybe haven't broken through, who haven't been made, uh, made the mass amounts of money or following, but they're on the meteoric rise to achieve greatness. Uh, and our guest today is no different than that, who I actually think we've had six degrees of separation for uh, probably a little bit of time now, uh, but we recently met through Clubhouse. Uh, he goes by Black Dave on all social or most socials, uh, and I just found out your name is, or your last name is Curry based on what it says on Zoom. So welcome, uh, Dave Curry. How are you? Where are you? What's going on? Yo, uh, I'm just chilling, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, the greatest city in America. Uh, I did not make that up. It's like a real thing. Um, <laughs> they uh, Travel and Leisure magazine, like um, they they do like a best cities in the world list, and so we've been number two for like like over a decade, and we've been like the number one city in the world or the number one city in America for like ten years. There was one year that they might have been last year, the year before, they split it into like big city and small city. So we were like the number one small city, and then maybe denver or something stupid was the number one large city but um but we didn't lose we just it just split into categories and we probably would have beat them anyway so um i'm in charleston um just hanging out <laughs> living life watching anime playing video games it's sunday you know the vibes yeah that's right well thank, thanks for taking the time and joining us um that's thanks for uh spitting facts as soon as you get on here so i appreciate that i did not know that uh, I would make an argument for Worcester, Massachusetts as well, but uh, we'll leave it to uh, whatever magazine. I gotta, I'll check the list. I'll check the list and see see what's popping with Massachusetts. All right. Um, so like I mentioned, we, we met on Clubhouse, but uh, through a number of, you know, arts and NFTs and stuff, and we'll get into that. But like, what it, what was like your you know I think your your what is your, what is your job what is your nine to five like are you a musician uh, that's to my understanding I think what your your main source is but then like how did you get into that like what was your childhood like were you always artistic were you always creative um, kind of deep dive into into that so um, my current work I kind of just do whatever like uh, so I moved back in with my family uh, to save a lot of money. Uh, or to not to save money, but to spend less money, you know, because uh, bills cost money. And and so um, I'd quit my job to like focus on creative things. So uh, I tell people I'm a multi-hyphenate, multi-disciplinary uh, creative. So like um, I make music, of course, uh, I produce, I rap, I play bass guitar, um, I engineer, um, I'm a photographer, videographer, I do some graphic design, some web design, uh you know i dj um i run sound at a couple of venues um i um i work randomly at this film equipment warehouse uh like film equipment i guess warehouse is the right term uh and so i work in the warehouse so i don't work in film but i i um i've worked on a couple of sets just doing random things normally it's just like wrapping up cable and, and running wires and stuff like that so i haven't actually done anything substantial on a film um and I guess if I go back, I would say maybe high school, maybe when I was around 15, I'm, I'm 33 right now. Um, I would say that's probably around the time I started doing music things. Um, I started out playing in a punk band with my friends. 
and uh, it was called Extremist Whitey, and it was like obviously a political punk band, and I played bass. Um, and then from there, I started getting into like hardcore and metalcore and stuff like that, and I started producing. There was a band uh, called Skyte's Airplane that I was a huge fan of, and it was like this two-person band, and it was like all programmed on a computer, and then it was a guitarist and a vocalist. So I pretty much copied that whole concept, and I did this band with this kid. Um, Lucas and we started this band it's called Robo Reptar and um, we like made merch and shit too and this was like back in like 2006 like way before I even really knew what was going on I it was just I saw MySpace and like I had hit up this kid um, I had like done a design contest on MySpace and all these kids sent me like these robo robotic reptile designs and uh, this kid won I found a company I printed up the shirts and what's so crazy is uh, I started a streetwear brand in 2011, and this is like, obviously, there's way more story in between that. But the kid who won the contest was the kid who printed my shirts locally. So it's like super random uh, that I, like the same guy, like I connected with him like all the years later, just from like doing all this other stuff. And then I didn't find out till later, like I was almost in a band with him doing vocals, like all this stuff, like in between, I didn't know he was the same kid. And then randomly found out in like 2012 that he was the same kid, 2011, 2012. But um, after that, I, I started uh, making rap beats, of course. Um, I wasn't rapping, um, but I was still doing the hardcore thing for a while. I joined another band. It was like a, like a new metal, like uh, hardcore rap fusion kind of vibe called EVA. And then, um, and then I started making rap music. I put out my first like rap stuff, maybe 20... 12 2013 i remember like our future had gotten a record deal and i hated our future at the time because i came up skateboarding so i was skating uh at the same time i started playing music and you're hang on okay okay hang on my phone is ringing i'm not gonna answer it though um i i, I need to turn off the <laughs> do not disturb on my computer um so i was skating <laughs> I was skating and I hated Odd Future because um, they, I was like a generation older than them. So like, you know, like kids who are younger than you, like you're always like, these fucking idiots, these kids are like rolling grocery carts in this stuff and I hate them so much, blah, blah, blah. And so um, Odd Future got a deal. I posted on Facebook like, oh, Odd Future just got a deal. This is so dumb. I'm gonna start a rap group called Blood Tiger Crew. This will destroy you. And that was the name of my first rap project with me and some of my friends. And um, and like we still have like our SoundCloud still up and everything. I have to send you the SoundCloud if you haven't seen it. I don't I know have, how, I'll listen to it for sure. There's there's like maybe four songs. It was me, um, my friend Lydell who goes by Illidell, um, my friend Sonny who went by Young Whale God because he was like a huge Lil B fan. And I mean, he's still a huge Lil B fan. He actually has Lil B tattooed on his thigh. And um, and we like, and then like random other people would just pull up and we would just like freestyle. Like I would just like find beats on SoundCloud and we would just like freestyle on beats and that was it. And um, and so I did that. And then I put out my first formal project myself um, called Owl Eyes Part Two. And um, there is no part one. I wanted to make part one like in the future and then pretend that it like already existed. That was like my whole joke. It was like, oh, no. 
while you're doing all these music pro projects, right? Like you just, we, we went from, we jumped from 2006 to 2012 very quickly, by the way. Oh no, um, no, no, it, it's okay. But like, yeah, are you making, that. are you making money from music? Like, is this your job uh, as a career? I played shows. Okay. Um, but it wasn't a lot of money. I, what did I do? I worked at a restaurant in that time. I, um, I skipped a band. I joined this pop band. So in Robo Reptar, it had to be like 2008, nine. Um, we had gone to record an album and um, how old am I? 33? So it was 2009. Um, so we had gone to record an album in the upstate of South Carolina um, with these dudes. I joined, a, I, we recorded, we spent a weekend there. At that point, there were like seven people in the band. Um, it was like, two guitarists, like a keyboard player. Like I did vocals, I did all the like programming. We had um, a bass player, a drummer. We had a girl singer who also played keys. Uh, and, and we went to record this album. It was a super like weird experience. I'll have to send it to you. I, I don't think I ever put the album online because it's like super like, it's really poorly mixed. It's not actually that good. Um, and, and then I ended up joining that band in 2009 and then uh joining the band of the guys who ran the studio and it was in the same town as clemson the college clemson okay. um like super in the country like i um was like the only black person i saw for months um and and so like i joined that band we had gone to um myrtle beach in south carolina which i don't know if you know where that is but we gone to myrtle beach um and we stayed with the singer's parents like in a trailer, like on a cornfield, like in the middle of nowhere. And then we played a show, one show, the singer like stole all the money from the show. And then we just like drove to New York. No, we drove to Pennsylvania. We drove to Uniontown, Pennsylvania, stayed there with this guy who's like schizophrenic. He like uh, lived in this other personality of him being some random Russian guy. Um, he was dating this woman who was like an Olympic gymnast. He almost killed her. They like got in a fight, um, and and then like <laughs> and then we went to upstate New York after that, and uh, we were gonna record an album. The guy we were recording with, his wife hated us, um, told us that during the day we couldn't come out of the basement. <laughs> um, they had a, they had a daughter and like they didn't want to like mess any of that up, I guess. So we couldn't come out of the basement during the day. So like during the day, I would like um, I would like flirt with girls on MySpace. And then I would just go see girls like in New York on MySpace. That was like the thing I did. And I was like 20 going on 21 and uh, I had a sidekick. So like it was super easy to hit girls up on MySpace and AIM because I had both of the apps. And, um, and I did that. I didn't record anything for the album. And, uh, and then our van broke and I ended up calling my grandma and she like gave us money to get back down. And then so crazy. Dude, you, <laughs> just, you just took me on a, a roller coaster of emotions there uh, in your process of trying to record this album. Uh, a lot of highs and lows, a lot of uh, youthfulness, um, <laughs> maybe a little bit of lack of preparation, but also just exploring, you know, what you have to do musically to kind of build relationships with people and, you know, doing these weird things, like looking back on it from that many years ago, like what's like a takeaway of yours? Like, what did you like learn from all of that? Well, like, I think you really like, you don't, for me, you don't really ever know what the thing is that's gonna be the trigger, right? Like if there was like a trigger quote unquote, 
like that that make that makes you make it you know like that thing oh if it wasn't for this moment then i wouldn't be who i am now um but like the only way to know is to do it and so um i was just doing stuff and like um I'm, I've always been one of those guys who like, if I think something is cool, I'm just going to figure it out. So like um, when I joined my first band, I ended up playing bass because the other kid already played drums and the other kid already played guitar. So I just had to learn how to play bass and I could be in the band. Right. And that, that's what I did. I just taught myself how to play bass. And, um, and then same thing with, uh, with the electronic band. I just taught myself how to make beats. Like I had, I had free loops, FL studio. Um, and this was like back in like, you know, 2006, 2007. So like I was using Fruity Loops back then. Um, and then, and then with this, it was like, well, you know, these dudes seem cool. It seems like their band's going well. Let me see what that looks like. You know, I just, I thought playing a band was cool. So did that. Um, I think a lot of it is, is like, I'm fine being spontaneous, but I also think that I'm like a smart dude. So I think that most situations I can get into, I can get out of. And obviously that's a dangerous way to live, <laughs> but, um, but you're going to learn a ton. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 uh, you know, the man who thinks he knows everything knows nothing. So, so it's like, that's the thing. Like I, I, I wasn't going into it like, Oh, this isn't going to work. Oh, I'm not like you guys are, are like weird or whatever. And, um, and so, yeah, it was just, it was just, that was like, and that, that story was like only one year of my life. Like it was so wild and it may have been less than a year. And, and like on our way back from North, from New York, we ended up staying with this girl in North Carolina um, in Raleigh, who's like one of my best friends now. Um, she was like kind of talking to one of the dudes in the band. She's actually married to a different dude from the band now, but um, yeah, I ended up living with her for like a year with her son. Um, her husband had recently passed. She was like, she was like, she's like eight years older than me or so. And uh, I was going to like, just like try to live life. Like, you know, uh, join a band, like go to school, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I didn't. I just kind of hung out and it was cool. We had a lot of good times. And then I moved back to Charleston. And, uh, and since then, I just started picking up all sorts of... Uh, other random things so, so you've really you've really always just been doing because i like i didn't even ask you what your 30 second elevator pitch at the beginning of yourself was you kind of deep dove into all of these different acts. my bad <laughs> no 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 it's okay because you immediately covered it you just started you you went this after this after this after this you've like touched upon this entire spectrum which is in theory kind of cultivated and kind of made you to who you are today and one of the things i was going to jump into later that i made a note of was I, I knew like as soon as we met or, or like we were in a few rooms together week after week on Clubhouse, I was like, I swear I recognize this guy. And then I started doing a little bit of homework and you were on tea with Gary V last April. Yeah, that was, yeah, I was. And dude, I remember watching that live. I watched every episode live at 9 a.m. while I was, while I was drawing for work. And I remember, and it's exactly what you said not three minutes ago, Gary's advice to you, if, uh, and I looked on your Instagram and it kind of uh, reignited this, was the more you put yourself out there, the more opportunities you create. You don't know which one of those opportunities or moments in life is going to give you that breakthrough. 
And that was his advice to you. And I thought that was like, and you said it, you just said it three minutes ago. And like, I was like, that's amazing. And like, that's what I mean by six degrees of separation. It's like, I saw you a year ago and I just met you like three months ago. Yeah. It's funny that I remember after that episode being so pissed. Cause I was like, Gary didn't tell me anything. I was like, Gary, <laughs> I was like, Gary didn't tell me anything. I didn't know. Gary told me to make a TikTok account and I don't want to make a fucking TikTok account. That's literally what I thought like after it was over. And I was like, I was like, okay, like that's fine. I'll talk to Gary later, like whatever. And, um, and so yeah, like, obviously, you know, he, he was like, and I wasn't new to Gary V. Obviously, to get on tea with Gary V, you had to know who he was. But, like, I already understood the whole attention thing. And, and at, in that moment, I think what I wasn't understanding was that you could do whatever you wanted on TikTok. But what he, I was trying to be like, hey, I'm trying to be authentic to just what I'm up to right now because... Because like, you know, in all that story that I told you, like we didn't even touch on me being a sneakerhead and me having a streetwear brand and me like doing all this other stuff. Cause like, you know, you design shoes. So like, I, uh, I'm pissed that I'm wearing this shirt. Cause I was like, oh, I, I'll put on like, you know, I was like, oh, I'll put on a shirt and like, we could talk about it. Like I, I have, um, I have the Warren Lotus Lakers shirt, the, oh, the nice. one of LeBron and, um, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll put on the Warren Lotus. Like, oh, you know, like, because like when you're, when you're a streetwear guy and you're talking to another sneaker guy, you know, I always say like, like uh, what you wear is like the first sentence in that conversation. You know, like if you see me in a pair of like, um, like if you see me in the mama bears, right? Like I have those in a box somewhere and you look at them and, and if you know what they are, then we've had the first sentence in our combo. You know, if you don't know what they are, then we're about to have our first sentence in the combo. We've already had eye sex before we've spoken a word. Exactly. That's the <laughs> thing about fashion. Like, that's the thing. Like, if, if, you, if you see a kid in Supreme, you know he's in the streetwear. Because, because, like, a kid wearing Supreme means that, like, I don't have to say, like, there are people who are like, oh, yeah, I've seen Supreme. It's always sold out. How do you get it? You know, and you're like, oh, Thursday's at 11. You know, like, it's. It's, uh, if you're in it, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, um, and so like, yeah, we left out so much of like, of like that side of me, because once I started really diving into hip hop, I started really diving into the streetwear side that I probably, I got into streetwear in like 05, 06. Um, and, but I wasn't a consumer of streetwear for many years after. And, uh, and so I think once I started buying clothes then i started to see things differently because i didn't start collecting sneakers till 2012 the first the first pair of shoes i got in my collection was the uh was the shrimp on the barbie dunk lows um so it was a it was a blue box sb back then and um you know they change their boxes every year and and i've slowed down the last couple of years since like the last year or so since quitting my job um, but I used to work at Apple and I was making a fuckload of money. So I'd buy like two pairs of shoes a month, like pretty much. Nice. And, um, you know, I was just paying rent and working at Apple and making a bunch of music. And, um, so yeah, like I'm a huge SB guy. I probably got like, not huge cause they're obviously much larger cigarettes than me, but I probably got like, like 40 pairs or so. Nice. Um, just of like SB dunks in specific. Like I've got other shoes, but like, you know, I've got Jordans, I've got, you know, some Adidas shoes, I've got some A6, some gel A3s, et cetera, et cetera. But um 
but to talk about, you know, you obviously started in music, but it, it's an easy transition, especially today in 2021. There's no, there's no lines anymore that differentiate art, music, design, footwear, street culture, anything, right? Everything's intermixed together. There's, there's no more glass ceilings. There's no more walls, really. Like everybody's collaborating with everybody. And to me, it's a really cool time to be alive and in that mix because there's nothing you can't do or nothing, a story you can't tell that won't resonate with somebody. So like, is that, was that just part of your exploratory process? Like as a person, like getting into different fields and meeting new consumers or people in different ways and then having them either help you along the way later, years later down the road, like you mentioned that guy you know, on MySpace, so, you know, who's doing your graphics or, and then printing your t-shirt or whatever, like, yeah. isn't that what it's all about? Yeah. And, and like, like, so like question for you, like when you think about like, like people who, who like shape who you are now, like what kinds of people do you think about? Like, who do you think about? People, people bring a different perspective. I think that's like, as, as, minimalistically as I can summarize it like that's why I gravitated to like I started like watching your Twitter and the questions you were asking and the things you were posing back to people and the questions you would ask people you'd push people to their limits on Clubhouse of like why are you saying something like that like I remember I remember you you questioned this guy we were like in a culture room or something like that and, and, and you kept asking him over and over like what do you define as the culture or something to that so I'm probably butchering it but like no it probably sounds like something I would say yeah you just like kept because he was he wasn't being clear and your perspective was different and and I think I always gravitate towards people who who, who, change, who can can influence my perspective by bringing a different perspective because I don't ever want to live in my own bubble I want to be around people who push and elevate me but then I could do the same to them or to 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 somebody they know or whatever it is because I think at the end of the day we're all people and regardless of the industry you are we're all humans and we need to help one another and I think that if you surround yourself with a diverse group of people who, who think much differently than you do and ask different types of questions then you're going to become a better person yeah for sure and like for me um the types of things that were pushing me in the directions that, that I was going and that I was thinking about, um, I was looking up to people. Like I was looking up to like uh, Childish Gambino back then, um, maybe like, like blog era. So like 2011-ish, like I was talking to my girlfriend about 2011 rap music the other day. So like Can't Buy Childish Gambino had come out that year. Man on the Moon 2 by Kid Cudi had come out that year, which two of those are like in my top albums. Huge um, year. Yeah. yeah, it was a huge year for so much rap music. Um, I Al Faro by Travis Scott, his first tape had come out the next year. ASAP Rocky's first mixtape had come out that year. Um, those that music, that sound, those people, um, Kanye, of course, like, and for me, it wasn't. I'm I'm old enough to be the guy who should be influenced by college era Kanye, but I'm not at all. I, I actually don't like that music very much. I didn't I didn't love Kanye until he was pushing the boundaries in a really really big way. And, and so I'm constantly thinking about how I can push boundaries. Like I, I don't, I think I'm asking people questions because I want to be asked those questions. You know what I'm saying? Like, like people come on stage on clubhouse sometimes, especially in these NFT rooms and, and they'll say, Hey, I want to do whatever, whatever is an NFT. And I'm like, that doesn't really sound like it needs to be. Why do you want to make it an NFT? And they're like, well, you know, I mean, that's the space, right? I'm like, yeah, but is it like, why? Like, what is the point? And so 
you know, I'm constantly trying to think about that with, with stuff that I do because, you know, even with my mixtape at the time, um, before they were SoundCloud rap, they were SoundCloud producers. And there was no SoundCloud rappers, just the kids making the beats and the beats were crazy. Mm -hmm. And I was just taking the beats and rapping. So it was like, I was early on the SoundCloud rapper sound. Um, I, I never made it to SoundCloud rapper status, of course, <laughs> but, um, but like, that was the thing. Like, like um, you know, just thinking about how you can continuously push the boundaries and like, and walk on the edge of, of what is, especially creatively. I think that's super important and super cool. And so like, that was what was motivating me constantly. Like I would, um, you know, even now, like, you know, ASAP Rocky hasn't to me made good music since his first tape, but like, um, I'm a huge fan of like Jaden Smith, you know, like I'm like, oh, Jaden's like pushing sound. I think when he first came out, he wasn't, but at the time, like now I'm like, oh, okay, you're really like, challenging things and like I didn't like Odd Future at first but Odd Future now especially Tyler I'm like oh you're challenging things like I love to see stuff that challenges stuff and and so um yeah I think that would answer the question. Yeah no it did I think that's exactly and and every conversation when when you enter and you you speak it's like that's what you do and it's because I think you want to get to the root cause you want to ask the whys you want to understand. So on the why topic I was watching Illmind on on uh, on Twitch. I think he was still on YouTube at the time too. But there's this video he showed because he does this thing on Monday. I don't know if he does it anymore, but on Mondays he would do like this motivation Monday thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this video of a guy, and he would he would ask he would call it your seven whys, and you would have to ask yourself why you're doing something seven times. So you'd be like, "Oh, I want to make clothes," and he'd be like, "Why?" And you'd be like, "Oh, because I want to look good." And he'd be like, "Why do you want to look good? Because I want to impress girls." Why do you want to impress girls? Because I need a wife. Why do you need a wife? Because, you know, that's a that's the normal family thing. Why do you think that's a normally family thing? And then you keep going, right? Until and and then until you get to like the root of what it is, you know? And I thought that was so crazy. So like people would be like, I'm starting a streetwear brand because I love my mom. I'm starting, you know, I'm I want to be this because I didn't have a dad. I want to be this because, uh, you know, my best friends inspired me so much as a kid. I want to be this because of that. And what happened is it's like, if you can dig into that, that's so insane. Sorry that I interrupted you just to like tell that why story. I got to find it. But it's like, I think it's seven whys. You ask yourself why seven times. I got to find the YouTube video. And send no, it. I think that's perfect. I think that's great context. And for, for anyone who hasn't explored that, definitely do that. And because and, I think... Otherwise, the story is only like half pregnant, right? It's like you're doing things for, you might internally understand why you're doing something, but to everybody else, it doesn't look fully thought out. And especially in these rooms on Clubhouse, right? You have so many opinions, so many, like the people are given an opportunity to share, but they don't always understand why they're sharing it or if it's the right time or purpose to it. Um, so I guess my next question is like, how did you get into the NFT space, right? Like you're a huge part of the NFT tips room specifically. And for those who are on Clubhouse, if you any, any, at any point in time you want NFT tips uh, on any subject matter, that room is hosted daily and uh, you can gain a lot of context yeah, there. But a, like, how did you get involved? And on Clubhouse people as well. So you can actually go to nfts.tips. Like oh, in okay. browser, and it's a website too. Oh, well, there you go. Plug, plug, plug check out the website or on Clubhouse. Uh, how did you get into this space? So I was around before tips. Uh, I was 
I got on Clubhouse in November, like right after Thanksgiving. Okay. And um, I came into it from a music angle. Like I was like, oh, you know, I make beats. My beats are hard. I rap. Um, you know, I make I make what I consider <laughs> a few steps left of center music. Um, and and um, and so I, I was getting onto it for that. And then I had a friend who had told me about NFTs earlier in 2020, and he. Uh, he was like buying and selling on Nifty Gateway at that time. So like, you know, a year and a half before now, which is like early 21. Yeah. And um, so he was making really good money doing that. And, um, and he told me about it and he was like, Oh, you can do it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And then that was kind of it. <laughs> um, and, and like, I would say in December, I had learned how to make my own NFT and I had made my first NFT. Um, Shouts out to like Amir. Um, if you know Amir, who does uh, who does the Mint Fund, um, he's in the NFT space. He does like a, a fund that helps people mint uh, their nice. first NFTs. He's super like he he gives so much back, and um, he was doing this Clubhouse course, like five day course on how to mint your first NFT, and then he would cool. talk about like marketing and all this other stuff. And um, and so on the first day of the class, you're not supposed to mint your NFT until like day three, but I minted on the first day, <laughs> and um, and then that's how I learned. That's how I got started. And then um, from there, I just like, because I was early in those conversations, I was learning a lot from people who knew a lot, like way before it was cool. And then um, as people were learning about it, I would just try to help people out. Like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I can answer this question, Amir, don't worry about it. Oh, I can, I can, I can handle this one, Lady Phoenix. And then I was able to like, also, as I was learning, start to think about like how to challenge it, right? Because that's my thing is like challenging the space. And so then I started asking questions. I started posing questions. I started having my own thoughts about how I think things would work best, stuff like that. So I ended up randomly in NFTs tips and um, I just was helping people out, you know? And, and then um, they were just like, hey, do you want to be a mod in the group? And I was like, yeah. And so it just became a much bigger beast than I had anticipated or expected. Um, and so that's how a lot of people know me, of course, from teaching people about NFTs there. And um, I, I what, what do you think? Because obviously you've had a, a very big impact on a lot of people who have either created their first NFT or who just wanted to learn about the space and apply it to what they do on a day to day basis. Maybe they're able to influence their employer. Maybe they're not. Whatever the case is. Where do you where do you see the space going? Like, because even I looked at the clubhouse analytics and like in February when it really like exploded with users, it was like nine point something million people or something like that. And now it's like in April, it's down to like two or three million or something like that. Yeah. And a lot of that is a I think a, a decent number of thousands, if not tens of thousands, is around the NFT space. So where do you see the space going and how it relates to like audio platforms or Twitter or Twitch or, or Discord or whatever it is. So like um, NFTs, like the way that we think about it right now, we tie it to art and we tie it to all these things, but but like NFTs are just tokens that represent different things. So I'm thinking about NFTs in the future as like uh, concert tickets, which, you know, um, I'd helped out Citizen Cope with like sort of helping and get that idea sort of formulated. You know, he had his concert um, of his NFT that he sold that was a, four, it was four VIP tickets to his show, um, front row. Um, the show was last night in New York City. No and shit, like in person? Yeah, in person, yeah. Oh shit. 
Yeah, and so um, and then like the guy who bought it, like um, it was he he bought it for like sixty six point seven eight nine ETH, and um, so at the time it was like ten thousand dollars, which is kind of insane. It's like one of the highest selling tickets of all time, actually. And well, I was gonna say, couldn't you get a front row ticket for way less in? But the show was already sold out. It was the oh, last ticket. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, the show was sold out. Like Cope's selling out like Red Rocks and stuff. Like he's already selling out like thousands of people. I know, but he's to me the only song that comes to mind is the "Let the Drummer Kick" song, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he has he's so uh, he's been performing in Charleston since I can remember. Like okay. he's been in the music industry for like like twenty years. Like no bullshit. And um, and yeah, so it was like he sold the last ticket of a sold out show, and it was the front row. Wow. Um, and it came with like a like a like a it was a mastered version, but like an early version of a song um that's not even out yet and it was going to come out on his next album it was like this whole thing and um so tickets huge receipts huge uh verification of things happening huge art is like art is like the entry point yeah art isn't art we're going to care about art as much as we care about art in our houses you know what i'm saying like obviously we care about it but there's a lot more shit that we like also care about a lot more there's going to be like you know, let's like if we think about sneakers, right? And we think about how like you send your shit off to StockX and they verify it and then they send it back, send it to the next person, right? Like that's gonna be like, yo, send me, send me your token from Foot Locker. You know what I'm saying? Like, transfer me your token from Foot Locker, send me the shoes. When we get the shoes, we'll send it to them to make sure that's the right shoe with the token. Because then like I can't I can't BS them a, a second time if I'm BSing them the first time because I sent the token. And then, you know, it's gonna get to the point too sometimes where you're like, holy shit, you have the Dornbeckers, like, uh, what what did they do for the token, you know? And then you're gonna be like pulling out the the token of of whatever Dornbecker you have, you know? It's, it's gonna be like to that point where like, it's not about art, it's about like, about unique ownership, you know, of specific things, especially rare stuff like, like the Dornbeckers, for instance, like, and um, I, I really, you, you mentioned Citizen Cope did this, and, and I like the people who are, are adding different tiers of value to the token, right? So it always has, it's this and this and this and this, and it builds this full story, right? So exactly. I, I spent a lot of money, and I'm taking a shot because Gary Vee's added a lot of value to my life over the past three years. And so I bought one of his admission tokens to VCon. Let's go, let's go. At, at 0.6 ETH, which was when it was like, one was valued at 42 and it like peaked. So it was bad time to purchase it. But I did it just trusting that if I go the first year, I could always resell it after the first year. If yep. It's super dope. And I'd make my money back, if not 2X, 3X or whatever it becomes then. So to me, it was like always this built value versus just the digital asset. It's these people who are building these stories and these foundations in this community who are doing it. And I think that's the future, similar to what you're talking about. Of Art is just the infancy of it. And that's the thing about like being a creative, right? Like if we think about you and, and sneaker design, right? You 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 have to play it for a long time you know you have to you have to send your five bad designs to nike and they have to write you your letter back that's like yo man what the fuck you know <laughs> before before you get the job at nike you know what i'm saying like that's kind of the thing right like um there's so many guys in sneaker design and footwear design i should say not just sneakers and footwear design whose stories start with with oh i used to send designs over to nike in portland you know like and they're like, oh, and Nike would send me letters back that would be like, thank you, but no. 
and um and so many guys stories start like that and um I think you gotta really like build that up and play in a really long way like so with Gary creating that that like three-year experience on top of like you know you just got the admission token and there was like the access to Gary tokens they were the gift tokens and like all the shit and and like he's playing the long game because he he already understands that nfts are going to represent access um and, and are going to represent like like a verification of ownership and stuff like that so he's like cool this is already a ticket this is already like a verification that you have access to me this is a verification that you have access to um to the conference like you know you have access to me on facetime or you have access to a you know google hangout or zoom call or breakfast or lunch or dinner or whatever he just you know whatever you got and um it's it's long right like now he can use this time in between to strengthen that community and increase the value of that nft and that's that's so important like that's what i'm trying to i'm trying to be like okay i made a song but you know it's it it costs a bit of money to get but i want to make sure that like when i drop my next song i'm giving that song to everybody who already got it you know what i'm saying because they because they rock with me and yeah. you know as i make more things in the future i want to make sure that i'm i'm providing these continued like value adds to people who are supporting me. And that's what Gary's been doing because, you know, I used to be huge into Gary. Um, I would I would watch Daily V. So like, if you've been watching for a few years, you know, he switched from Daily V to Weekly V. When he switched to Weekly, I was off it. I was like, I can't watch 40 <laughs> minutes. Like, and, um, and so I think he sees it right in the long-term sense. And I think that if you're, if you're getting into anything, and this is what you want to do you got to like obviously not and i don't plan like i'm not saying plan ahead but i'm definitely saying like think about what something's going to be in a few years and make sure that what you're doing makes sense in a few years as well so to that point exactly right i ask this question to a, a lot of the guests that come on here like do you do you think about i don't i think i know the answer based on a lot of your stories so far but like do you think that far ahead do you have like a two three five year plan like do you, do you, or do you kind of focus at a quarter mile of a time? Like, Hey, this is the next project I want to do. I want to help people. I want to grant access. I want to build my community. I want to do these things. Or do you have like major goals? Like, do you want to become a recording artist or a producer or engineer or whatever it is? Like, do you, what are your goals for the future? So I have one like uh, like guiding light, I guess. Okay. But, but other than that, like every thought is does it point to that and i don't think much further than that like so it's like um what's the guiding light you got to share that so, so the simple the simple version i always tell people like i want to be like if virgil abloh watched anime and was a rapper you know because like he can do anything he wants creatively and and it's stamped it's it's cool it's it's good to go it's great design it's it's this it's high it's low it's street it's it's nike it's selling out it's it's whatever it's creative direction it's photography it's in a museum it's on hype beast it's on fucking you know vogue it's on forbes right and so my goal is actually in in influence and my goal is in taste like i'm i'm trying to be someone who like when I make something, it moves the needle. When I do something, it moves the needle. I'm someone to watch. I'm someone to to think about because I think I have good taste. I think I have good ideas. I think I think all those things. I think I'm a good rapper, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, like my goal is to be like that. I want to make stuff. And no matter what I make, I want it to be like on story, on brand. But then I want it to be something that the other people can look up to because, you know, regardless of how like 
you personally or any person personally feels about Virgil and everything he's done, you can't deny that he's inspired hundreds of thousands, if not millions of kids. 1, and that's what I want to be. I want to, I want to continue that story. I want to be like, like, um, like Pharrell was for a lot of people, like Kid Cudi, because like, you know, being black and coming from like, um, like, um, like non-stereotypical spaces, like skateboarding at the time, I know a lot of black kids skate now, like skateboarding, uh, rock music, uh, pop music, uh, hardcore, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I want kids to know that they can be who they are to the max and still succeed. And so that's my overarching goal. And, and I'm influenced by anime, rap music, streetwear, sneakers, right? And so I'm creating at that intersection constantly. And, and so that's how I think. But I don't think more than like, you know, a week ahead, a week or two ahead. I've been trying to think like a month or so ahead recently. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, cool. Is this anime? Is this streetwear? Is this cool? Like if, if someone discovers this in a few years, do I look dumb? You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, um, I think that all of these projects that I'm doing now are like my Pyrex, you know, and then, and then I'll have my off-white moment sometime later, or maybe this is my off-white and I'm, I don't realize that something else I already did was my Pyrex. And so, um, and off-white streetwear, not off-white high fashion. Um, like off-white, like Caravaggio on fucking every tee with the tape on it and the, and the stripes across it. You know what I'm saying? Like before the quotes, like all that shit. And, um, and so I'm trying to just make sure that I'm constantly pushing towards that. And with that, I, I don't think, I used to not think more than the day I was on. Like I'd be like, all right, what am I going to do today? And I would just make it through the day, um, especially once I left my job, um, you know, and I think I should have started planning way further ahead once I left my job. So but I did, I, I did mean to ask you earlier when you mentioned that, right? Like you, it sounds like you were, you said you worked for Apple, you're making money, like you were doing things like what, what exactly was like your job at Apple and like what triggered the decision to leave? Cause I think that'll bring some value to people of like pursuing your passions and your creativity and not being associated to a brand. So I worked at Apple. I was doing tech support from home. It was at home tech support. Okay. Uh, they were paying. So I live in South Carolina. Minimum wage is seven twenty five. Um, we have the federal Damn. minimum wage here. Super low. Yeah. The federal minimum wage is like trash, but I was making, uh, I was making like 16, 17 bucks an hour okay. and my apartment didn't cost much. Like I said, I was buying sneakers. I was doing all this stuff and I might've been like two and a half years in and I was like, man, I, this is an amazing job. I'm never, ever, ever going to get a job that's as good as this job in my life. And um, that's a scary thought. Yeah. But like, it's a thing, right? Like I'm, I'm 26, 27. Um, I, I had just gotten like a two year degree in marketing. Like I didn't want to be a salesperson, which is like your first marketing job. Right. And, um, and so I'm, I'm at Apple and I'm like, man, I'm not, pumped to be here like I'm, I'm calling out sometimes I'm like like pretending my internet doesn't work sometimes like and I'm like oh okay it's back like I just <laughs> I just couldn't take it you know what I'm saying like and Apple's really good about like giving you mental health breaks and stuff like that like if you really need it they'll be like cool man like you know the insurance covers so-and-so like therapy visits like you can get some medicine you can whatever whatever I had a friend who who went through like a depressive spell and he I mean it's depression it's not really a spell but he had he had like a a stronger upheaval um for a period and 
and they had given him weeks off. You know, I'm like, cool, just take your time. We'll pay you. I think they were paying him like half his pay or something like That's that. That's awesome to um, hear. While he recovered, it was Apple's amazing. Like best, like I cannot BSC one of the best companies you could work for in terms of benefits, and um, and so. I was just like, dude, I'm not pumped to be here. Um, I had just started like this this blog called Charleston Hype, um, which was like a I was copying Hype Beast, of course, but I was writing about it from a Charleston perspective, from a local perspective. Yeah, yeah. and um, and I was doing that, and I was super pumped to do that. I was DJing shows. Um, I was I had started designing clothes. I had my first clothing brand called The Comeback back then. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was super pumped, and I just really wanted to lean into it, and I wanted to lean into doing something creative, so I quit. Apple. Um, and I told my boss, I was like, if, if you ever see my application again, that means I failed and please hire me back. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and so what happened was I quit Apple. I freelanced for about two years. I had a bad month. Um, I called my family and I was like, yo, I need like 300 bucks. And they were like, you got to get a job. So then I ended up getting another job. I worked at Marshall's um, I was the, the manager in the stock room for like two and a half years <laughs> and then I quit again, but this time my family is supporting me through it. So, um, I haven't been in as much of a mad dash and then like, you know, six months into me quitting my job, a pandemic hits too. But, um, you know, for me, I'm, I, I know what my goals are. I know what happiness looks like for me. So that's what I'm chasing. Like, I know the whole Virgil thing. I, I know I need to think of a better example. Um, but like um, having that and knowing what I think I should be doing to get there, um, running a stock room at Marshall's isn't, isn't the path. And so yeah. I've, I've been trying to chase that. And so for me, it's like, I remember my sister and I do this thing, uh, you know, it's like, um, is success happiness or is happiness success? And, and that was my thing. Like for some people being successful makes them happy, but for me being happy makes me successful. So, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would 1000% agree with that mindset because I, I know that like a lot of people, you know, look at my resume and what I've been able to accomplish in 29 years. And, and they think that like, you know, quote unquote successful, but like, it's not always rainbows and butterflies. It's, it's way bigger of a challenge every single day. It's lonely. It's, you know, you constantly are grinding, you know, doing multiple things. You mentioned, you know, 15 things that you do and like, how do you juggle those on a day-to-day basis to find happiness? Right. So it is a challenge. Yeah. And that's like, the thing is like, you know, if I, if I use the Virgil example, right. Like he designs furniture. Remember, uh, remember flat white that he was doing for a long time which is him as a DJ. Um, and then he was directing music videos. He was doing Off-White. He was uh, phasing out of Pyrex. Um, now he's at Louis Vuitton. He was still creative directing for Donda. He was like doing all this stuff. And and um, and so for me, it's the same energy. Like I'm like, hey, this isn't, this isn't about one skill. This is about my mind and like my taste level. And when I see something, I know it's good. And, um, and so that like, I think, I never thought about, I never thought about doing too many things. Like, you know, I always thought about like, what is cool? I just want to make things that are cool. And if, if I, you know, in my, in terms of my photography, I, I was like a big, like, uh, like Terry Richardson guy. Mm-hmm. I was big into like Van Styles um, and stuff like that. So it was like, cool. Like I got on that like whole, like, like, uh, like hot girls in streetwear wave. And, and if you go to your website, you do have like, 
some very nice photos, I'll say. Thank you. <laughs> but, that, that's, but that was the energy. And this was 2012, you know, when I started shooting way before the, the Instagram girl wave oh, happened, right? Okay. And I just thought it was cool. Like, and, and I still believe and I still think it's super cool. Obviously, a lot of people don't, but. Um, isn't, it, isn't it awesome that like today, right? 2020, 2021, that like being part of the slash generation, meaning that you do this slash this slash this slash this is a norm. And it's not honed into one skill set. It's not honed into perfecting one craft. It's taking your ideas and doing anything that you think is a good idea and putting it out there. It, it's, it's a game changer. Like when I started, <laughs> when I started photography, uh, I, was, I was quote unquote good at it, right? And so people would be like, uh, yo, you should just stop doing everything you're doing and, and be a photographer. And I'm like, no, that's dumb. That doesn't even make sense. And like, no, it makes sense. Like you'd be a really successful photographer. I'm like, no, this doesn't make sense. And, and, and I did that for years and they were like, oh, you're like a good DJ. You should focus on DJing. Oh, you're a good, you know, you're good at, you should just focus on web design. You should just focus on, you know, being a producer. You should, and I'm like, no, that's, I, it, and, and it was like before the, like the whole slash generation concept was a thing, right. Which is a game changer for so many of us. But before that, everyone wanted me to be one thing. And I was like, I didn't know the vision. I didn't know that the, the Virgil vision was what I wanted. I just knew that what I was doing wasn't just one thing and I didn't want to be defined by one thing. And so, um, yeah, I'm super pumped about that whole thing. And I think that's, that's normal for all of us, right? I'm sure you do a ton of things now that you probably like, you were like, oh, I just want to make shoes. And then you realize you're like, oh no, I could do a lot of things and, and it would influence the sneaker design. That's the best part, right? That's the part that people don't understand is when you put energy into so many different concepts, it, it, all of them rise, right? So you, I do paintings on the side, right? I'll do a commission. I'll do this. It influences the, the physical, tangible footwear design side of things, or I'll host a podcast. I'll talk to other creatives, which influence my day job. I will go on trips and then I'll meet people. And then I'll do that. Like everything influences one another. And it, to me, it keeps me ahead of everybody else. That's the way I look at it, right? It's, I, I, I will never become complacent and I won't ever become Blockbuster or Toys R Us because I'm constantly seeking somewhere else to push myself and my limits. Uh, something I say a lot in NFT rooms because a lot of NFT artists don't come from art and they don't come from fashion. They don't come from like the idea of high, you know? Um, I always say that taste comes from exposure. And so like, in order to have good taste, you have to be exposed to a lot of things. And so, yeah, like being able to do lots of things makes it so that your taste is higher because you're constantly exposing yourself to new skills and, and new processes and stuff like that. Like, what do they say? Like the best manager can do everyone's job kind of thing. And so um, that's how I try to think about it is like, I'm increasing my taste by knowing how to do more. Because if I, if I look at a, if I design a shirt, I can think about the lookbook and I can know what's actually possible and what's BS, you know? I can, I can think about like, um, like producing a song and thinking about how it's gonna play in a live setting or how it's gonna play if a DJ plays it or how, like whatever, you know? And so like when I'm, when I'm producing a song and there, you know, there are rappers now who like love having bands, but don't realize that their music isn't band friendly, you know? Like, um, if I have a lot of 808s, how, how, you know, like I'm supposed to just play that with a bass guitar. That doesn't make sense. And so um, just being aware of those sorts of things um, comes from exposure.
Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. Um, before I get to my last question for you, because uh, we're coming up on an hour, believe it or not, this is awesome. Um, where can people find you on, uh, on socials? What do you like the most? What do you use the most? What do you think is the most uh, inspirational or influential for people to follow you on? So um, right now I'm, I'm heavy on Twitter. Um, I'm Black Dave on Twitter. Um, I love Instagram. I've been using it a bit less, um, but I think I'm going to try to get back into using it a lot more. Um, and I'm Black Dave, Black Dave on there. And then um, my my website's actually blackdaveblackdave.com, um, which I think is, you know, so there's another Black Dave who exists. He's a, also a skateboarder, also a rapper. Uh, he lives in New York. He skates for Zoo York. He's like much more popular than I am. And so no I'm, shit. I'm, yeah. And so... <laughs> What, I, what I'm doing is I'm hoping to like out fame him into like changing or, or people. I, I've been in rooms sometimes and people are like, yo, are you Black Day from New York? Uh, I was in a room with, with Lamar Supreme from uh, Mishka. And, oh, shit. Uh, and he was like, yo, are you Black Day from New York? I was like, no, 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 no. Like, well, I was like, but I've been Black Day for like 25 years. Like, <laughs> like so what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't, I can't change this now because some fucking kid from New York decided he wanted to be Black Dave too. Like, so you're Black Dave, Black Dave. Yeah, because I'm Black Dave on Twitter because like Twitter was for nerds and I'm a nerd, but then um, Instagram was for skateboarders first. And so he got Black Dave on, on Instagram. And gotcha. we used to like go back and forth on social media. Like, uh, I'd be like, yo, give me your fucking username on Instagram. He'd be like, no, fuck you. Like, and, um, but I say all that to say I'm Black Dave, Black Dave on Instagram, uh, blackdaveblackdave.com and Black Dave on Twitter. And then um, I have music out on, you know, all the streaming services. Um, I have NFTs out. Um, you know, if you if you look up Black Dave on um, like OpenSea, for instance, I should pop up. Um, and so you can see a, a lot of my work there. But I, I talk about a lot on Twitter, um, of course, on Clubhouse on Black Dave, um, just because I don't think Clubhouse is gonna leave us anytime soon so i guess i throw that out there um yeah i think those are probably the best places to find me i think if you're interested in in what i say go to twitter if you're interested in what i do go to instagram or my website um but i think that um when you when you start to see what i say you might get interested in what i do um so i say start with and and that's how i came full circle too so um, and then the, the, the last question is, what's like the narrative that you want to project into the universe? I think you hinted about it a little bit earlier, but like if you had to give one, one quick hit for anyone to kind of leave this episode with that, that you know, resonates with you or can inspire somebody, what would it be? Um, you know, being yourself is, is going to win. Like, I believe that, like truly. And so I don't, I don't try to pretend to be anybody else for anybody else. And I think that that's super, super important and, and be like super patient, be as patient as you can. I know that's a Gary Vee thing, but I think it's true. Like I, I always tell my girlfriend, like patience is my best quality. And she's like, they have lots of other great qualities, but obviously she's my girlfriend. She's going to say that, but like um, patience and being yourself and, and, and you'll win being yourself because that's my goal. Like, I think once I win, once I truly win being myself, I think then that will continue to open the doors because, uh, you know, Pharrell, Kanye, like uh, Childish Gambino, you know, ASAP Rocky, like all the blog era rappers were themselves, Mac Miller, like Action Bronson, like 
and and I think you know you look now like Odd Future and Tyler Creator and like SZA and like all these rappers now like they wouldn't exist without that inspiration of people being allowed to be themselves and you can even go back further to like Missy Elliott and Timbaland and like you know even like like street rappers like thinking about like Tupac and Biggie and like Mob Deep and and Nas and stuff like that everyone just being themselves and they're winning by being themselves and the moment that they would try to be someone else uh it's it's a failure you know not everybody you know Drake is like the ultimate copy ninja but no one else can do that and I don't think anybody should um and I think that Drake is I think the reason that Drake's winning is because Drake's actually, Drake's personality is actually focused in successful business and successful like portrayal of himself and not so much in his personality, but that he's just obsessed with success. And uh, so people look at his music and they say stuff about his music. I'm like, this isn't, Drake's just making the music that succeeds. Drake doesn't care about the music. Drake cares about success. And so um, just be yourself. Like if you can be yourself, you can win. And that's what I want to leave everybody with. That's, that's super dope. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, with that being said, thanks for joining us on episode 37 of An Untold Narrative featuring uh, Dave Curry or Black Dave or Black Dave, Black Dave on everything.